from the darkest corners of the creepy old house down the street to the screams in the night. Settle in, para family, to join with Whitney and Brandon for another spooky episode of the Para Unity Podcast. <laughs> Well, hello, Para family. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of the Para Unity Podcast. Tonight is a special night, and no, it's not just because I'm back. But that is pretty wonderful. Thank you. Yes. And it's not because we're only six days away from Christmas. So that means it is six maids of milking. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> No, okay. six geese a laying. Six geese a laying. Damn it. <laughs> it's six geese a laying. Sorry. Well, in that case, let's talk about something a little different that happens in December. Um, because tonight we're going to be discussing a topic that floats in and out of the mainstream media and has completely surrounded a small American town that has also engrossed the world into the realms of cryptozoology. So no, we're not talking about Bigfoot. I know that's where people Sorry. a lot of people like to think. Sorry, Betsy. <laughs> Sorry, Betsy. We've covered Bigfoot. We're good. Tonight, Para Family, we will be discussing the dark harbinger of imminent disaster that inhabits an abandoned World War II TNT factory. It is synonymous with the Silver Bridge collapse on December 15th of 1967, where many people of this area that we're going to be talking about believe that these sightings gave people the precognitions of this terrible event. With its glowing red eyes focused on us, we will be discussing the Mothman. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty moth man. Say it again. You know I was going to do that. <laughs> I know. I know. Love me I... For it. This is exciting. I love this. The story is just so mysterious to me. And I can't wait to just do this really big, deep dive into it. As much as we can, anyway. Well, and so the crazier part. So... I was working on this for a while. Yes. And were. despite the in and outs of everything else I was going on in life, but every like path I got onto to start following this would dead end. It's uh -huh. like, I couldn't get a straight full on story on any direction. Even, even talking to everybody at the Mothman museum. Shout out to them. And Point Pleasant, amazing people, some of the nicest people I've ever talked to. Wow. And anytime it was like, hey, can I get some information from you guys? It was. <laughs> it was a big, big smile. And they're like, how much time do you have? It was a, hey, we'll give you some book titles. Ooh. No, why don't you give me like an article? That was in the newspaper when they talked to the people that saw it happen or maybe some descriptors or something like that. We'll give that you book is... titles. Come visit us. 
come visit us. Hey, we're open till five. Hey, I'm like 13 hours away from you. I mean, you should have said something to me. I probably should have been able to get out there. How dare you? How dare you, Whitney, not go for the team? I mean, <laughs> you should have asked me. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. You're already got enough tours and travels going on here in the next couple weeks. So maybe weather permitting, but okay. and weather, of course, has a lot to do with, you know, the Mothman and some of these appearances from what I'm seeing so far. But you know what? Before we get too far ahead into Mothman himself let's go ahead and orient what's going where we are in the world so situated on the confluence of the ohio and kanawa rivers and please i apologize if i mispronounce anything by the way hello in the chat i see that gina is in there so pop on in friends um anyway Point Pleasant is a small town with a population of only about 5,000 people in West Virginia. Visiting the town's main street is like stepping into a time warp when life was much simpler. Many of the buildings still look the same as they did in the early 1900s. And the streets are full of mom and pop shops, eateries, museums, a historic and some say haunted hotel a vintage movie theater that dates back to the 1940s, and a state park where the Battle of Point Pleasant took place. And what is the Battle of Point Pleasant? I'm glad you asked, friends. It is a battle that took place during the American Revolution on October 10th, 1774. So practically at the very beginning, and back at the time when West Virginia was still part of Virginia. <laughs> I mean, it's true. But um, in any case, uh, the Battle of Point Pleasant was fought on the future site of the actual town. There was over 1,000 Virginia militiamen led by Colonel Andrew Lewis, and they defeated a roughly equal force of Algonquin Confederation of Shawnee and Mingo warriors led by the Shawnee Chief Cornstalk. Now, this event is celebrated locally in West in uh, Point Pleasant as the first battle of the American Revolution War. And in 1908, the U.S. Senate authorized the erection of a local monument to commemorate this particular designation. Now, most historians, and actually I do have to agree with this because of all the time I've spent in the American Revolution studying that history, wearing the costumes and all of that, um, a lot of historians do believe that the Battle of Point Pleasant is not a battle of the revolution because of when it took place. And it is part of Lord Dunmore's war from 1774. Lord Dunmore was the last royal governor of Virginia. And after Dunmore's war, he kind of peaced out of Williamsburg, Virginia, with his wife and kids. If anyone wants to learn more about that, I'll gladly share information. But anyway, back to Point Pleasant itself. It also has a riverfront amphitheater where you can see beautiful sunsets and historic fine art murals on the mighty Ohio River, kind of similar to the mural projects we have going on in Richmond, Virginia, right along the James River. It's really cool. Now, there are just a few more things that add to the quaint and charming character of the town. Yes, folks, there's more. 
Point Pleasant is the heartbeat of small town Americana, rich with American history and a twist of the paranormal. So Mothman sightings may be rare in the modern day, but the hospitality shown to those who visit is not. Wow, those last few statements just sound like really interesting tourism slope. So, so I kid you not, that little section there, well, most, most of that section, was actually on their city website. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I actually know some people who have visited Point Pleasant and I know they probably experienced something quite similar too. So, but I love, this- I love that the town embraces it because it literally yeah. says a twist of the paranormal in it. Cause they're the ones that mentioned the haunted hotel, which happens to be the historic low hotel, which opened in the early 1900s and apparently is haunted by many ghosts. The most well-known is the apparition of a beautiful and disheveled young woman who is seen dancing on the mezzanine between floors one and two. And there's also rumored to be other ghosts, including the ghost of a toddler riding a tricycle on the second floor. Oh, dear. Yep. I, I, yeah, okay. And moving on, the ghosts of a maid and a sea captain on the third floor, and a phantom string quartet that can be heard playing in the fourth floor ballroom. Phew, that's amazing. All right. So, Para Family, here is your assignment, America, as uh, they do on what is that? Uh, The family video, family home video, America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, Ah, God. Yes, there you go. Assignment America. Assignment America. If you go there to Point Pleasant, stay at the Low Hotel, and I want to see you try and get them to give you a room on the top floor. Really? Because they say it's so haunted on the top floor that they don't rent them out. Oh. So... how many floors are on the hotel? Are the, does four, the hotel four or five? I okay. Four or five. But yeah. So try, if you go there, try and stay on those top floors. If, if you want to sleep in a haunted hotel, um, it's super cool looking, but that's what I want to know. I want to know what it's like up on the top floors. Even if you don't actually get a stay, see if you can get up there. Hmm. And we'll make sure we post some images of the hotel in the show notes. Yeah, I think it sounds amazing. It's absolutely gorgeous. Oh boy! Well, I'm 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 actually into this. Uh, I I actually do like West Virginia a lot, and West Virginia mm-hmm. also has some very incredible haunted haunted sites there, running from Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum to Lake Shawnee Amusement Park. And all sorts of amazing, rich history and folklore and culture. So where does Mothman fit into all this? Well, in West Virginia folklore, the Mothman is defined as a humanoid creature that's reportedly seen mostly in the Point Pleasant area from the dates of around November 15th of 1966 through December 15th of 1967. So it's about, what, 13 months, roughly? That's what it sounds like, yeah. So the first newspaper report was published in Point Pleasant Register that was dated November 16th of 1966. Um, The title of the news article is Couple Sees Man-Sized Bird Creature Something. (laughs) 
They're very good at their titles back then. Bird. Creature. Creature? Something. Something. Okay. <laughs> so the national press soon picked up on the reports and helped spread the story across the U.S. Hmm. So the source of the legend is believed to have originated from sightings of out-of-migration sandhill cranes or herons. So if you're not familiar with these birds, these sandhill cranes stand close to human size. Oh, wing, okay. Wingspan of about seven feet, full grown. And they have like fleshy red circles around their eyes where they don't grow feathers. It's just like red, kind of like the, oh. the oh. rooster flappy thing. I'm very technical tonight. Rooster Press. flappy. Thing. <laughs> Or the turkey wo wo wobble. The, the, tur the turkey wobbler or the, the chicken thingy. Um, Interesting. But that's the same type of look. It's that red kind of gross, fleshy looking. Hmm. So, but that's what they are. Herons, obviously, are a little bit smaller. They're more usually gray. Um, the sandhill cranes, the interesting part about this that I always thought was funny is everybody's like, oh, it's got to be these cranes. It's got to be these cranes. They're white. And they're, they're white is not. with black tipped wings. Okay. So I'm not sure how, I mean, other than the size and the red around the eyes, I don't understand where exactly it's um, coming from. That is very interesting. And you know what? We'll also put up a, a picture of the Sandhill crane to give everybody an idea of what that looks like. Cause now I'm curious. You've never seen a Sandhill crane before. I might have, but obviously it was a very unfor it was a very forgettable experience. I have been chased by wild turkeys before. That's fun. <laughs> They're hideous. <laughs> Nobody likes turkeys. Except when well, never mind. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why that is no looking at the images of Mothman or the popularized visions of Mothman. That looks nothing at all. Nope. But yeah, so, so not really sure. We have a lot of the blue herons around here in Iowa, especially like along the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, they usually stand about four feet at a high end, um, grayish blue color all the way through and through. Gorgeous birds. Gorgeous yeah. birds. Um, but not not Mothman material. So, and there's a couple other things that have been reported with it that you're really going to find kind of interesting as we get digging into this a little bit deeper. I, I think so too. So let's keep going. How did, how did it expand to a wider audience? So Mothman was introduced to the wider audience by Gray Barker in 1970. And that was later popularized by John Keel in his 1975 book, the Mothman prophecies. Um, so, this is one of the big three. There's three main books for mm -hmm. anybody doing their Mothman research or that's completely obsessed with the story um, and want to know more about it. So let's let's talk about them super, super fast, okay? There's okay. obviously the Mothman Prophecies. Yep. Um, there's Mothman Behind the Red Eyes. Ooh. And then Mothman Behind the Legends. Hmm. I don't... I didn't write down the author's names because I'm not that good of a script writer like you are, Whitney. Oh, um, You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but those are the three main books that uh, 
the Mothman Museum recommends that anybody that wants to do research into it, um, those are the three books. I'll make sure that we put links into the show notes yeah. for the episode for those three books. Um, actually, the ironic thing is, is if you search any of those three books on Amazon, it'll show up a combo pack down below, you know, where it says people have also bought this. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah. it's like 50 bucks and you get all three books. No kidding. <laughs> Amazon combos it for you. Yeah. Oh, Amazon. Yay. Wow. Yeah, one of, one of the few things. One of the few times. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I've never read any of, I certainly have not read the Mothman Prophecies, but I definitely saw the movie. Right. Well, yeah, everybody's seen the movie. It's a great movie. It is uh, a decent movie. So, but anyways, so John Keel in his book, The Mothman Prophecies, he claimed that there was supernatural events related to the sightings and there was a connection to the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Mm. So, and like we were talking about the book, this was the book that was adapted into the movie. It was what, 2002 with Richard mm -hmm. Gere and yeah. Laura Linney, I think was also, Laura Linney or Julianne Moore, one of those two. I don't know. It was Richard Gere. I don't think anybody really cared after that. I mean, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. And face. also they did kind of modernize the Mothman Prophecies movie, uh, setting it more in the 1990s to early 2000s. So let's get back into the 1960s. Let's go to that night on November 15th, 1966. So Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Mallet reportedly saw a quote unquote, a quote, large flying man with 10 foot wings on quote with glowing red eyes when they were driving along state route 62, just North of point pleasant. And I can imagine that that was some very dark roads, uh, probably a lot of trees. Um, you did say that this was out by an old TNT factory. And from what I've heard, that area is now a nature preserve. So this is pretty isolated and out there. Well, hopefully it's still somewhat isolated, at least with the buildings that are still standing, because there are reports that there's still TNT in some of them buildings. Oh, crap. <laughs> so that's menacing enough. But what else is menacing is the figure itself standing six to seven feet tall near the abandoned National Guard Armory building and power plant. Panicking. Right. Well, hold on. Hold on a oh, second. Go ahead. Before go we ahead. Get into this. Yes. Yes. Hey, I was in the story, but go ahead. I know. And I'm going to cut you up. <laughs> um, uh, revenge. So, so think, of, think about the three things that we've learned about this. Okay. Um, in this, this area. So it's isolated somewhat, as right? As far as we know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. I Google mapped it. I had to know. Okay. Like, cool, cool, cool. I, anyways, so it's, it's isolated. There's right. three, there's three main buildings that are very, very nearby with this. Um, you have the TNT plant. Okay. Right? right? Which is almost, it's a building, but it's kind of almost like a cave, kind of? I've seen images of this. It's almost right. like, a, it's kind the best way I could describe it is if anybody has seen the domes in Arizona, except not in the middle of the, de of the desert, it's kind of like that. Right. Think of it like hole in the wall, of stone with a big metal door. Wow. Right. Okay. So you have this place, the TNT factory, right? You mm -hmm. have the national armor or national guard armory building. Right. Which 
anybody knows with military, you never really truly know what's going on in those locations. And then the last one was a power plant. So that kind of makes me a little nervous. So you're talking limestone, rock, natural stuff. You're talking power plants producing energy. Coal. You're talking the National Guard armory. I mean, just you're saying. Also, you're also up there in West Virginia, which is coal mine territory. Mm-hmm. So that's... Well, yeah, ah. but this isn't going to be Loretta Lynn flying through the air with glowing red eyes. So I mean, but that would be cool because she was... Rest in peace, Loretta Lynn. She who had a haunted house of her own, too. Right! Okay, another 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 episode. Anyway, yes. Go back to the so, story. Okay, well, obviously, seeing all this, Roger Scarberry, who apparently was behind the wheel that night while this these two couples were probably out there doing what couples do, and he immediately sped away from the large gray creature making their way to Point Pleasant while the cryptid followed. Now, how were they able to see it was gray? Headlights. Oh. Unless it was, I mean, it, it's following them. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, let's see what they described. I mean, because they went straight, once they arrived in Point Pleasant, they made a beeline to the police. And they stated that the thing rose up like a helicopter. Uh, though saying it was a quote-unquote clumsy runner, so apparently they saw it on the ground and it ran after them, but it also, but it excelled in gliding, easily keeping pace with the car, even though the car reached up to a hundred miles per hour. And it also screeched at them as it followed. Now, Roger's wife, Linda, uh, described it as a slender, muscular man, about seven feet tall with white wings and said that she was unable to discern the face due to the hypnotic effect of its eyes. Right. So, and you were correct. So they, when they first saw it, it was standing uh -huh. next, next to one of the buildings. So I'm wondering if it didn't have like a spotlight or something that they could see the coloration in. Hmm. And then they saw that and they were like, um, nope, see ya, bye-bye. And That's took off. And then it I started, mean, I don't blame them. That's and it pretty started spooky. screeching and went straight up and then out. So a couple things. Well, um, actually, it was chasing after them. It was running first, and then and then kind of and then it shoom. Yeah. Why am I seeing Darkwing Duck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I am. <laughs> Darkwing Duck. <laughs> Let's get dangerous. And Sorry. this is the exact reason why we have guests on our show, because when it's just the two of us, we don't know how to stay on topic. Yeah, we do. In fact, I'm going back on it. So the couples <laughs> that had seen. OK, so the couples had seen this bizarre creature. They dubbed it the Mothman in the TNT area. 
And it was called the TNT area because during World War II, that whole region, which comprised of more than 8,000 acres, was devoted to an ammunition manufacturing facility that also employed a few thousand people at its peak of production. So that's an interesting little tidbit right there. Mm -hmm. It's what kept the city going. They had the mines and they had the TNT factory during the world or during the war. And now they got Mothman. And now you have Mothman. But let's get back more into that. So surely these... Now, I'm not going to lie. I find it very fascinating. But I'm a little on the fence because of these descriptions. Um, it feels like Linda and Roger are describing... I don't see any consistency with their descriptions, really. Well, one of the things that you should probably point out is Linda's issue was she was having a hard time handling it or witnessing it because it was creating a hypnotic and trance-like effect on her. Something. So this is the part, one of the parts that was hard to dig in deeper on Mm. um, because nobody really wanted to say much. Um, but there are different reports saying that the screeching, um, much like a bat screeches, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is the the sonar sound of the screeching affects people um, mentally and or audibly and visually. Uh-huh. Um, okay. They also say, that it's similar to a white noise sound that messes with your head. Um, okay. And then there's also people that say that the red eyes are um, are able to be hypnotic, kind of like um, some like snakes and stuff that can kind of paralyze and hypnotize. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And that's interesting. Going back to the sound idea, that was there's something there was somebody that was talking about something called infrasound which some people believe that that was the cause of the um scattering and the fear of the poor folks at the Dietlov Pass incident yeah well 1959 and another thing along with that too is there are animals that use sounds to hunt that's true. So they produce a sound that stuns other animals, and we're not just talking Pokemon. Uh, and incidentally, Ash and Pikachu's adventure is ending. Yeah. Oh, well. After 25 years. Oh, well. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, that uh, you had to bring up Pokemon. Maybe I mean, we're, should... for ev- we're for everybody. Maybe <laughs> he should have chased Mothman instead of Pikachu. Isn't there like a Mothman kind of Pokemon? But anyway. I, I have no clue. I wouldn't be surprised. But So what happened next? Um, was this a one-time thing? Uh, well, yes and no. Um, so over the next few days, uh, other people reported similar sightings. So local newspapers started reporting on it. Uh, two volunteer firemen who saw it said it was a large bird with red eyes, um, which goes back to that crane, Sandhill crane. Uh, Mason County Sheriff George Johnson commented that he believes the sightings were due to an unusually large heron that he termed a 
I'm going to say this wrong because I've giggled every time I saw it, but it looks like it says shit pokey. It might um, say shite poke. And that could be the way it's said, but yeah. I have a childlike mind and I thought it said shit pokey, well, which made shit, me giggle every time. Well shit, well, shit and shite are kind of the same thing. Um, right. Keep in mind, West Virginia, a lot of the folks that were settling in Appala in the region of Appalachia, Appalachia, I'm the worst at this. In the Appalachian <laughs> Mountains, it's basically a lot of Scotch Irish. Yeah. Well, so. whatever he pronounced it, it's S H I T E P O K E. If anybody wants to correct me, you go ahead. Or let us know what it is. But an unusually large bird. Okay. Or you can go shit pokey. Damn. <laughs> All right. And there goes our. Parental advisory. Contractor Newell Partridge told Johnson that when he aimed a flashlight at a creature in his nearby field, its eyes glowed, glowed, bleh, glowed like bicycle reflectors. So additionally, okay. he blamed the buzzing noises that the people were reporting that they heard was from his television set. Which is back in that day. Yeah. Yeah. Possible. Do not adjust your television set. However, he did blame the disappearance of his German shepherd on the creature. You know what this sounds like? This sounds an awful lot like the Jersey Devil. Maybe he was on vacation. I mean, you never know. Maybe he thought the mountains were nice. Maybe he wanted to get out of the Pine Barrens. I mean... Who wouldn't? Well, I mean... Bunch of pine trees. They're all stuck close together. You can't do anything. It's no fun. However, anyways, all in all, Whitney, there was about 100 reports that came in about the Mothman in the Point Pleasant area alone. Hmm. And that's just the ones that were actually reported. Aha. Uh -huh. And then, like I said, oddly enough, with this, many, 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 many of the witnesses also reported having both eye and or ear trauma in connection with those sightings. That's very interesting, and so I actually would like to learn girl. more. Yeah, um, I actually would like to learn more about it. So any of our more medical um, adept listeners, give us some more knowledge about that, about eye and ear trauma and how that's connected with experiences and sightings. That's kind of interesting. So going on the biology Okay, so I'm going to kind of go on the biology side of things. So there's a guy named Robert L. Smith. He was a wildlife biologist at West Virginia University. And I'm guessing he was contacted as kind of like an expert that could possibly explain this away. I mean, it makes sense to me. Uh, but he told reporters that uh, the descriptions and sightings of the Mothman all fit the description of the Sand Hill Crane, which we mentioned earlier. And Brandon was polite enough to show up a picture on the live feed, which will not show up on the audio podcast. <laughs> but it's a large American crane, almost as tall as a man with a seven foot wingspan and featuring circles of reddish coloring around the eyes. So the bird may have wandered out of its migration route and was therefore unrecognized at first because it's not native to this region. So, well, no you're problem. a perfect example of this wit. So think uh, about it. no, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. 
Okay. You had never seen a sandhill crane before until no, I No, I haven't. If you saw one in your backyard or flying by, mm -hmm. wouldn't it make you stop and be like, oh, uh, what was that? I would actually question what was that. Um, mostly if it was flying, because that's a big bird. It is. But the thing with cranes you have to remember is so they have kind of a like the S shaped neck where it like yes. kind of like comes off and then kind of goes up. So it's mm. almost like, like the, like the flying dinosaurs in Jurassic park. Right. Like that. That's the kind of neck that they have. So, I mean, I don't, I'm still, I don't get the Mothman vibe from that. I'm not really either. I mean, and also are they nocturnal because did, aren't these reports coming from the nighttime? Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, that started back in November of 1966 and a hundred sightings over the course of a little over a year. And then something else happens and it kind of does a lot to put Mothman on the map. So Brandon, what's the incident? Well, like we talked about in the beginning, December 15th, 1967, the Silver Bridge collapsed under the weight of rush hour traffic, resulting in the deaths of 46 people. Wow. So, um, weird thing with that. Well, not really weird because it's over a river, but two of the victims were actually never found. Mm. Um, they did a deep dive investigation onto the wreckage, and it pointed to the pointed the cause of the collapse being the failure of it's a single eye bar in a suspension chain. So you're talking about a piece of metal about that big. And, and Brandon reason, is basically holding his fingers up in a circle. Think of it like maybe a silver dollar. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, so it's, the, the, it's about that big in a suspension chain. So, you know, you have like, your chains that are interlinking and... It was a defect in a single chain link. So this defect was literally 0.1 inches deep. So, Ouch. so think of it for our, um, uh, the other measurements that was it the, the metric system. Metric. There, that's the that word. The, that, the rest <laughs> of the world, that the rest of the world uses. Right. 2.5 <laughs> millimeters deep. That's really like this. So this much mm -hmm. of this thing that was defected and caused just... that entire bridge to go down. So analysis showed that the bridge was carrying much heavier loads than it was ever designed for and been poorly maintained. Ouch. So yeah. Whoopsie. Our bad. Mm. Not so, the first time something like that's happened. Yep. The nice thing was, is the collapsed bridge was replaced by the Silver Memorial Bridge, which was completed in 1969. So literally, they knocked out a brand new one in two years. Oh, great. Hopefully, it works better now. Well, it's still up. So Hey, good to know. It's still standing. It's still mm -hmm. used. Um, do, we, do you know how old, the, uh, how old the Silver Bridge was, the original bridge? Um, yeah, I can tell you. Yeah, I'd love to know. 
Of course, right. you got to ask me these questions while I'm reading stuff. But no. I'm sorry. You can ask me <laughs> questions, too. And, in fact, chat, please give us questions. Um, in fact, I see Tina and Tina Fleury, our friend on the chat. Hi, Tina. Happy holidays. Gail Williams is also up on the chat, too. And also our friend from a couple episodes back, Sin Schrader Hill of EVP, of EVP, Elk Valley Paranormal, and author. She just had a book come out. So give her some love. Hey, ladies. Hey, friends. All right. 1928. But 28 to 67. Ooh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. So it was built in 1928, and uh, it was named for the color of the aluminum paint that they put on it. So, it's, like I said, it's an I-bar ch chain suspension bridge. And it just, from poor maintenance and just poor calculation of how much loads were actually being carried on the bridge. Right, okay. yeah. And, and I'm not going to go into the depths of how the chain bridge construction works or how it yeah. works. Yeah. Nobody wants to listen to that unless That's true. you design bridges. Important thing to know, little tiny defect in a little tiny chain took the whole thing down to the ground. So what um, does that have to do with the Mothman? So on the day of the Silver Bridge collapse, several re people reported seeing the Mothman flying right above the bridge. Um, the Mothman sightings in and around Point Pleasant, oddly enough, ceased on December 15th of 1967. Hmm. Same exact day the Silver Bridge collapsed. And it having him disappear and the sightings magically just stop on that day as the bridge dropped just solidifies this incident into the legend of the Mothman. So it's it that just completely said, Yep, these are connected. Interesting. For Evies. Wow. And also, just so you know, folks, that the anniversary of the bridge collapse was four days ago. So Happy anniversary. That was bad, dude. <laughs> but So is your Mothman song at the beginning. <laughs> hey, okay, I can't take full credit for that. I really can't. But here we go. Okay. All so right. So here's the interesting part about Mothman, though. Okay, yes. Um, Everybody says he's a harbinger of imminent danger, you know, right? Like we mm -hmm. said in the intro, he brings the bad things around, right? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome, I know. Um, I mean, harbingers are popular in folklore. True, true story. So I was able to find a bunch of different sightings of Mothman from around the world. because. Hey! A town of 5,000 people is not big enough for this cool of a dude. He needs to spread his wings. <laughs> I would get that. That was, that was good. That was good. Okay, so where has he been seen? Um, well, let me give a try. First off, to all of your international listeners, I apologize for our pronunciations. So, <laughs> in America... First Mothman sightings were reported in 1966, but Mothman reports have been seen earlier than that in other countries in the world. First, there was a figure called the Man Dragon, and it was seen by several people in the region of 
oh god china <laughs> uh shon <laughs> tedam and i'm probably saying that wrong my mandarin is not that good but i'm going to try let me try that again shon tedam in china in early january 1926 interesting and then on january 19th the dam in that region collapsed and over 15,000 people lost their lives due to the flooding. Oh, wow. Hmm. Check. <laughs> okay, Harbin so let's... Harbinger, check. All right, all right. So let's move on to... Okay, so okay. how about this? Um, according to the Georgian newspaper, Svobodnaya Gruzia. Again, I, my apologies to listeners in the country of Georgia. Uh, the Ru Russian ufologists claimed that the Mothman sightings in Moscow foreshadowed the 1999 Russian apartment bombings. Okay, that's interesting. Oh, but here's here's a good one. And this is actually one that I've heard. Yep, yep, check. <laughs> so apparently reported sightings of the Mothman occurred before the Chernobyl disaster on April 26th, 1986. I actually have heard that. That's interesting too. And then there's another one. Um, on September 10th, 1978, a mine collapsed in Freiburg, Germany, resulting in the loss of many lives. 21 miners who were due to work that day were scared away by the sight of a Mothman-type creature at the entrance to the mine and it became known as the Freiburg Shrieker. Ooh, I like the name of that. That's kind of cool. Well, and there's and, that shrieking again. Yeah, that's true. Interesting. I hope everybody is taking note of how many things are taking place around industrial sites. Have you noticed that? Because I have. Yep. <clears throat> Anyway, um, according to a website that's run by the Fortean researcher, Lon Strickler, over 55 sightings of Mothman have occurred in Chicago during 2017. That's okay. And then in 2016, WCHS-TV published a photo purported to be of Mothman taken by an anonymous man while driving on Route 2 in Mason County. Science writer Sharon A. Hill proposed that the photo showed, quote, a bird, perhaps an owl, carrying a frog or snake away, unquote, and wrote that, quote, there is zero reason to suspect it as the Mothman as described in legend. There are too many far more reasonable explanations, unquote. Interesting. She's a hater. Well, I mean... I want to see that. Maybe we should find a copy of that picture and see if we could get it up in the show notes and get y'all's take on it. That's, if anybody has also seen this photo, let us know because we'd love to know your take on it. You ready for my wild card mic drop? If it has to do with a folklorist, let's do it. And I know this folklorist. No, no it doesn't have to do with this folklorist. Okay, what does this have to do? Mic drop outside of the script because I found out about this after I sent this to you. Okay, beautiful. Supposedly, supposedly, in the capital of Ukraine, there was reports of Mothman 
about a week before the Russian invasion. Supposedly. Hand drop. Yeah, drop that mic, right? <laughs> and yeah, we're talking about Kiev. We're talking about Kiev, right? Yes, okay. they say it was somewhere near Kiev and Chernobyl in that. Well, vicinity. yeah, I was going to say, Mothman had supposedly made an appearance during the, before the Chernobyl meltdown. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay, so. I found... 12 different reports of it. Um, nothing that I could like 100% confirm, but with Mothman, you kind of have to take a little bit of the, you know what I mean? Yes. yes. So he, he kind of weaves in and out of fan and fiction and or fact and fiction. And yes, it's interesting. All right. So, Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. There is. There is. I was trying to see if I could find the photo while we were talking. All right. Well, while you're looking, you know what? I'll just continue with some analysis from one of my favorite folklorists, uh, Jan Harold Brunvond um, of the Vanishing Hitchhiker and Other Stories fame. He notes that the Mothman has been widely covered in the popular press, some claiming sightings connected with UFOs and others claiming that a military storage site was Mothman's quote-unquote home. Now, Brunvod notes that recounting of the 1966 to 1967 Mothman reports usually state that at least... Uh, and now we're pausing to look, what the hell... So this is the most one of the more recent pictures from Ukraine. No, uh, this, short, is from, this is the picture from 2016 that the lady said was a bird. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. All right. That is a. I mean, regardless of what it is, it's a crazy looking picture. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it looks like a bug squashed on a windshield to me. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> but it is a strange picture. I, I'm not going to lie. I just, I, I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. But, but anyway, uh, Brunvond, back to his analysis, um, back from the 1966 to 67 reports, they usually state that at least a hundred people saw Mothman with many more quote unquote, afraid to report their sightings but observed that written sources for such stories consisted of children's books or sensationalized or undocumented accounts that failed to quote identifiable persons. So Brunvon found elements in common among the Mothman reports and much older folk tales, suggesting that something real may have triggered the scares and then became woven with the existing folklore. And he also records anecdotal tales of Mothman supposedly attacking the roofs of parked cars occupied by teenagers doing the things they aren't supposed to be doing. <laughs> oh, my God. Because John Jan Harold Brunvon was the guy that really coined urban legends. Yes, he was. So... There you go. That's an interesting, I mean, it's an interesting thought. Um, 
What else do you think has been said? Well, Joe Nickel, um, I have no clue who he is, but apparently he's somebody because he was in a lot of the reports that I saw mm. that was um, talking about it. But he says a number of hoaxes followed the publicly or publicity generated by the original reports, such as groups, a group of construction workers who tied flashlights to helium balloons. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. They took helium balloons and flashlights and put little red covers on the flashlights and then let them go. So it looked like red eyes floating through the air. I mean, that's cute, but who has time to do that? I don't know. I'll, but oh, he, man. <laughs> Nickel attributes Mothman stories to sightings of barred owls. Okay. Suggesting that the Mothman's glowing eyes were actually the red eye effect caused by the reflection of light from flashlights or other bright light sources. Kind of like deer. Right, right. Or like the kids' pictures when you used to take them in the 90s before we had phone cameras. Filters. Filtered the red eyes and, you know, gave you the extra long eyelashes. And... Do your ch Are your children <laughs> demonically possessed? Look at this picture. You'll see. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so Benjamin Radford, who is another unlabeled person that you know, we should listen to, uh, points out that the only report of glowing red eyes was a secondhand report, that of Shirley Hensley quoting her father. So literally, he's trying to say that the red eyes didn't actually exist on Mothman. He's trying to say, well, that girl was saying that her father said that he said this, and then, and yeah. So Very true, very true. Yeah, so he tried to shoot it down. Interesting. Um, However, on the plus side, uh, ufologists, paranormal authors, cryptozoologists, all of them all claim that Mothman is an alien. Or, uh -huh. um, well, he's an alien or a supernatural manifestation or some kind of previously unknown species of animal. So... Nobody knows. Nobody knows. In Nobody 1970, knows. in the 1975 book that we were talking about, Keel claimed that the Point Pleasant residents experienced precognitions, um, including premonitions of the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Um, they also claimed to see UFO sightings, um, had visits from inhumans or people threatening them, like the men in black, and other phenomena were going on. So apparently in this... 13 month window of Mothman mm -hmm. in Point Pleasant. And we now have the Mothman. We now have UFOs. We now have the men in black. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's other phenomena that was going on that no one will talk about. And also, every it sounded like a lot of people were having visions of something happening to the Silver Bridge which also makes me wonder how many people actually really believed that something was actually wrong with that bridge. Right. Well, but, I mean, yeah, we'll never really know. I don't think. Have you ever heard of the documentary called Hellier? Yes. Okay. Cause they definitely get into, for those who don't know, it's on Amazon prime. As far as I know, it could be on some other streaming services, but I saw it on Amazon Prime. Greg Newkirk, um, who is this really cool 
paranormal investigator, researcher. He's basically got his thumbs in all the different uh, paranormal fields. He and his wife and a couple of friends actually started to track down what initially was based on the Hopkins Hopkinsville goblin case. Mm-hmm. But then they realized there were connections or synchronicities that kind of lined up with the Mothman incidents in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. So they actually went there and apparently there was somebody there that they talked to that knew Mothman and actually talked with this individual said that it was an alien named Indrid cold or something like that. That's in the movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's part of Mothman prophecies. Yeah. 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 They, um, yeah. I haven't heard that name in a long time. Oh my God. I'm wondering if anything's going to happen to us after saying that, because let's go. You said it. You said it. Not me. I've gone through enough. I've missed enough episodes. It's on you. <laughs> Love you. Yeah, but I, you. yeah, but I, yeah, but I'm the cute one. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> anyway, well, I do, before we kind of get back into speculating a little bit, let's leave some time to speculate. But I do want to get to go back to our chat because we have Ali Schmalls who Ooh, popped me. on to say, "Oh, you know her, good." Yeah, who popped on, on to together. say that nice. Well, she said it's on her bucket list to go to the Mothman Festival, because how can that not be a good time? And a new friend of the show, Nicole Lynn, has hopped on saying she's always wanted to go to the festival as well. So Point Pleasant held its first annual Mothman Festival in 2002, same year that the book came, that the movie came out. Uh, the Mothman Festival began create brands, brainstorming creative ways for people to actually visit Point Pleasant. The group organizing the event shows the Mothman to be front and center of the festival because of its uniqueness. And it also was a way to celebrate the local legacy in the town. And according to event organizer Jeff Walmsley, and I've heard that name before, the average attendance for the Mothman Festival is an estimated 10 to 12,000 people per year. I hope it didn't suffer from COVID, but you never know. Uh, they also, and we've seen this before too, because it's right outside, a 12-foot tall metallic statue of the creature created by artist and sculptor Bob Roach was unveiled in 2003. The Mothman Museum and Research Center opened in 2005. And of course, as Brandon said, he consulted with them for this episode. So thank you, thank you, uh, folks at the Mothman Museum and Research Center for we'll, your help. We'll put a link to the Mothman Museum in the show notes too, because the guy I talked to, Jeff, ha, is um, super, super knowledgeable, super nice, super nice. Um, he's always up for asking questions. Uh, they did actually have a gentleman that I was going to have lined up to be a guest tonight that works Uh-oh. there. Um, However, his health is not in the greatest and we could not do it. Um, Well, we we might actually have another opportunity to get him on the show. That'd be cool. uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah. The cool thing about their website is they have a 24-7 live feed of 
the statue. Oh. So at any time, if you're feeling a little mothy, you can hop on their website, pull up the live stream. The other day I turned it on for a little bit just for S and G's, right? Yeah. And there was a little girl dancing in front of the Mothman with a Santa oh, hat. I was dying of laughter. It was amazing. And it's like, I have now determined that if I am having a bad day, I am turning on my Mothman live feed. That sounds great. Just to watch it. That sounds um, amazing. But they have a gift shop. They have life-size statues. They literally have every news article and report about Mothman in their museum. They have photos of the bridge collapse, all the info about that. Um, literally everything you could possibly want about Mothman, they have in wow. this museum. And it's literally right across the street from where the statue is. It's the statues like off to the side of it. So mm -hmm. you'd have to like walk around to the side of the building. Um, it's dirt cheap to get in. I think it's like five bucks for admission. That's pretty and good. you can spend hours. I mean, hours in this museum and they have stuff for the kids too. So the kids can go and get jamming on Mothman in their museum. So I mean, I can't say enough good things about them. I like, I was so apprehensive about contacting them at first thinking it was going to be one of those deals where it's like super hokey you know, mm -hmm. like the roadside yeah. ball yarn type thing. And no, they're super, super amazing people. Fun fact, I actually have a friend that runs a place like that that has the big ball of yarn. <laughs> and it, it's wonderful. I mean, it's it's great. But I anyway. I, I should have repped Iowa better because we have a town nearby that has the world's largest frying pan. Oh, that's Oh, wow. The name of the town is Brandon. And on that happy note, please also remember that the festival, it's held on the third weekend of every September, and it has guest speakers, vendor exhibits, pancake eating contests, and a hayride to and hayride tours of locally notable areas. So come for Mothman, but stay for the town. That's what it sounds September like. September 17th and September 18th, 2023. Plus the Friday night before there's a Kickstarter that they do. It's uh, that's, this is going to be the big one. So if you're going to go, go this one. Cause it's the 50 year anniversary. That does sound really cool. So on the 50 year anniversary, let, let's speculate for just a moment. Brandon, you've done all this amazing research and put this together. What do you think happened? What do you think Mothman is? Well, um, <laughs> sorry, I got distracted by the chat. Allie said yeah, I sure you're supposed to slap the Mothman statue's butt. <laughs> I double dare you. Allie, I want to see that video when you go there. Let us you know, Allie. I, you will be live streaming me. We are on a team together, so you know how to contact me. I want the live stream of my friend Allie slapping the Mothman's butt. 
I want to see this. <laughs> I will die a happy man at that point. No, I, God, I don't know. It's, I want to say it's folklore. Mm -hmm. I want to say it's something that people are making it up, but I can't. I've been in, um, I've been in the paranormal long enough now to know that I can't say I'm a skeptic to everything because I've seen things and experienced things that I can't explain. Um, so I, God, I just, I want to say, nope, it's just a coincidence. No, it's a big bird or something like that. Snuffle up, I guess. Um, but I just, I can't, I, I, I think it's, I think it could be something legitimate, especially considering they've been seeing it, seeing it in all, all sorts of other places connected with all the other horrible things that have happened. And we've lost yeah. our chat to the butt smacking. I mean, Hey, I mean, if that chat, if that makes you happy, anytime you guys go to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and you get to the Mothman statue, let us know you're there. Send me a text. I want to watch you do that. And now I want to watch the live feed video of the statue because I want to see somebody. I mean, like we want to see some good Mothman butt slapping going on. Well, not just that, but I want to see people. People, it sounds like when they go there, they're having fun. They're happy. Yeah. And so I don't know if I necessarily want to view Mothman as a harbinger necessarily of doom. But he is. Time. He is. He is. And, but then also this... As you said, you said you saw this adorable little girl go in front of the statue and dance around it. So, yeah, I don't know if it had any connection to actually being Mothman or not, or if she or was just, dancing because it was an area where she could dance. I mean, either. I mean, that tracks too. You and I are both parents. We know how kids operate. <laughs> right. So. Right. Exactly. I, I don't know who, I don't know what the Mothman is either. I mean, I'm intrigued. I don't know if I really want to dive down the deeper, deeper well of figuring everything out. I think it's just like, remember when we did Bridgewater Triangle and mm -hmm. they said that Bridgewater Triangle just is. Mm -hmm. well, I think maybe Mothman just is. And, you know, that very well could be. I mean, as much as as much as I don't want to see it in real life. Oh, come on. Because if I, if I get across a creature that's taller than me, can fly 100 miles an hour gliding, and shrieks and makes your eyes and your ears get screwed up, I... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I want to learn a little bit more about that phenomenon because that's weird. I mean, not just the eye and ear trauma, but you were telling us about the Fresno Nightcrawlers back with their oh, urban the Nightwalkers, yeah. <laughs> about back with the Urban Legends episode and with the black eyed kids and the sense of dread you get. That just sounds like it's all part of the similar phenomenon. I really want to learn more about that on what. It does to the body. 
Well, and it's interesting, especially since they're connecting the bla- the black eyed or not the black eyed kids. Now you got me all thrown up. The men in black, mm-hmm. rather, and the UFOs and stuff like that. Um, I think it's been a hell of a year. So yeah, I'm looking at the chat too, and Nicole said that there's haunted bunkers nearby, which to me makes a lot of sense considering it's right there at this ammunitions, old ammunitions factory. Um, Sin says, I don't think I'd slap the math man statues, butt just in case that's a taunt to him. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, let us know folks. I, I keep, I keep getting Futurama stuck in my head with this whole thing. Um, Because (laughs) the statues like bright, shiny metal. And I just, I always think of Bender, you know, kiss my shiny. Yeah, I I see that. Although here's the deal, guys. If you do go out and try to find Mothman, I hope you have a good time doing that. But be careful out there because it is part of the original location is now a nature preserve. And we also don't know what's still in there. Brandon said that there's probably still some TNT in those factories. So walk with care, walk with respect and ask questions. You never know what you may find. Very true. Yeah. Whitney, you got your your Mothman episode. I got it. Next time I'm going to give you an episode on the vanishing hitchhiker. That'll be Mm -hmm. fun. That would be fun. But that will not be the first episode after we come back from break. We have a really killer lineup of guests and ideas and shows that will take us all the way straight to the end of our season. We're going to go on break to enjoy the holidays. And we hope everybody around the world, you enjoy your holidays. Be blessed. And we love you guys so much. Yeah, we, whatever, however you celebrate it, wherever you celebrate it, celebrate it safely. Have a great time. Love your family. Love your friends. Make sure you're around to come back and watch the rest of the season or listen to the rest of the season. Participate in the chats. Yes, please. Hang out with us. Helps. Yeah, definitely. And also thank you for being all of you this first half of the year thank you all for being so kind to me as i've run the sh- as i ran the show solo a couple of times and nailed Brandon, it i'm nailed sorry it. nailed it <laughs> you did good thank you that means a lot that you means did good. a lot and again guys thank you all again for tuning in tonight and if you listen to us on apple podcasts please remember to take a second to rate us five stars or more importantly, leave us a review because those reviews help us get the word out about the show and we want to hear your feedback to make the show better. That is correct, Whitney. And if you're an Android listener, you can follow us on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or simply say, Alexa, play that Perry <laughs> Unity podcast. That tickles me still. (laughs) So you never miss an episode. I am running out of different ways I can say that. You know that? Because we've done it on so many episodes now. (laughs) I know. I know. 
but it's, it's so still much hard fun. to believe. It's so much fun. <laughs> I love it because like you'll get distracted in what you're saying because we, you know, we always say the same thing at the end when More you do the less. episodes on your own. But you'll kind of like kind of start to like fade off, and then you'll be like, Alexa, because <laughs> Alexa's oh. awesome. Exactly. Anyways, okay. yes. So iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, blah blah blah. So you never miss an episode. Remember, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you want to be a guest on the show or just want more Para Unity, please join us on our Facebook or Instagram pages. And if you would like to help support the show, stop by our website and buy us a coffee. We don't ever ask for money, but it would be nice. It does help. <laughs> it does. It does. We do have some costs that we we cover out of pocket to keep this show running. And I mean, it's been God, How we're coming is- up four years now, almost in March. Four, Four oh years. God. Two <sighs> years for me. Oh my God. Ah, yeah, exactly. That's so, insane. If you love the show, want to keep her rolling, or if you're feeling a little generous in your holiday spirit, go buy us a coffee on the website. Yay. But my name is Brandon. And I'm Whitney. And you have been listening to the best place to bring our paranormal family a little closer together. The Para Unity Podcast. And quick shout out to, I'm actually going to start plugging other podcasts, if you don't mind. Go I want it. to I want to plug tonight, the Midnight Library, which is, which is the younger podcast of Astonishing Legends. And I know Brandon and I are kind of fans of Astonishing Legends. Yep. So this is their sister podcast. Midnight Library is a beautiful, dark, gorgeous storytelling. It could take place in a weird, in a familiar location or maybe not, but please listen to the show. It is amazing. So the Midnight Library. And <laughs> good night, everyone. Good. And Merry Happy Holidays. There you go. Merry Happy Holidays. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>